Good afternoon. So, have you checked your messages today? Did you check your answer phone messages before you came out? Did you check your email this morning? Did any of your friends text you to tell you, tell you some news or have a chat? We're so well connected with each other these days, aren't we? We have all this technology and different forms of communication. It's so easy to keep in touch with all of our friends. And we know exactly what's going on in their lives, no matter where they are, even if they live on the other side of the world. Telephone, email, text message, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Skype, Snapchat, WhatsApp. I'm sure many of those only mean something to the, the younger generation, but the list goes on. Many of us, especially the younger generation, are constantly checking our phones or computers to see if anybody has sent us a new message. We're also plugged into technology and communication these days, and we want to make sure that we never miss anything. We always want to know what's going on. <clears throat> but in this buzz of communication in our busy lives, have we been missing any messages? Has somebody been trying hard to contact us and we've not spotted their messages? Surely not. We check our phones for new messages every half an hour after all. There's no way that we could have missed any messages, is there? Well, somebody has been trying very hard to contact you and in many different ways because they have some important information to give to you. Information that could literally save your life. And that someone, of course, is God. God has been trying to contact you and me and every person on the planet because he has a very important message for us and he's waiting to hear from us. But we're so busy looking out for messages from our friends. Have we missed the messages from God? God hasn't tried to send us a text message or email, has he? God doesn't use man's channels of communication, technology that changes every five minutes. He uses methods that are permanent and unchanging over many centuries. Sometimes we just need reminding that God is there and that he is trying to contact us. Messages from God are loud and clear if only we know where to look and listen out for them. But if we don't know where to look or, or how to look for God's messages, then we're in danger of missing the most important message of our lives. So where are these messages from God? How do we find them? Well, they're everywhere. They're all around us, we just need to look and listen for them with an open mind. So the most obvious and plain message from God is in the book that he caused to be written for us, the Bible. And we know that the, the Bible is a message from God because it's unlike any other book. Despite there being around 40 different authors writing over 2,000 years, it maintains a perfect consistency, consistent message about God's purpose and his plan for mankind. Shepherds, kings, scholars, prophets, a military general, a cupbearer and a priest, all kinds of different people penned portions of the Bible. They all had different personal reasons for writing, whether they recorded history, giving spiritual and moral instruction, or pronouncing judgment. They wrote their words from palaces, prisons, the wilderness, and places of exile. 
while writing history, laws, poetry, prophecy and proverbs. And yet, despite this amazing array of different topics and circumstances, the Bible has a flawless internal consistency, and it never contradicts itself or its theme. In the second book of Timothy, in chapter 3, verse 16, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And then in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, it says, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So despite all these different authors from many different circumstances over such a long period of time, the Bible is consistent because they were all moved by God's Holy Spirit and inspired to write the words of the Bible. Now you don't have to take my word for it, you can read the Bible for yourself. But you will find that the internal logic of the Bible is consistent. And that alone should be enough to make you sit up and take notice that if this is a message from God. And if we read that message carefully, we can see plenty more evidence that it is from God. <coughs> Through the Bible, God makes predictions or prophecies about future events. Many of these prophecies have already come to pass some in Bible times that are written in the Bible for us to contemplate, and many that have come to pass in modern times, and many that have yet to come to pass, but tell us about what God has in store for us in the future. And one of the clearest prophecies in the Bible is that of Nebuchadnezzar's image. Now King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon, and he had a dream that God interpreted through the prophet Daniel. In his dream, there was a statue that was made up of different materials. It had a head of gold, a chest and arms of silver, a belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron, and feet, partly of iron and partly of clay. And Daniel interpreted this dream and told the king that this statue represents all the kingdoms of the world, like a timeline from the time of Babylon into the future. The head of gold represents the kingdom of Babylon, the chest and arms of silver represent the Medo-Persian Empire, which took over from the Babylonians and reigned from 527 BC to 336 BC. The Greeks under Alexander the Great then took over and reigned from 336 BC to 28 BC, which is represented by the belly and thighs of brass. And then the Romans added the Greek Empire to their kingdom in 28 BC and reigned until 478 AD. And this is represented by the legs of iron. And we know that the Romans were known for their armies as strong as iron, and their armour was made by iron, was made of iron. And after the Roman Empire broke up until the present day, we see many nations, some as strong as iron and some weak like clay. And just like iron and clay don't mix together, there are many conflicts in the world today, and the nations just don't mix. Only in the last few weeks, we see this image becoming even more clearer, with the UK leaving the EU. Now, whatever your views on the Brexit, what really stuck, struck me is how the whole of Scotland was united to remain in the EU, while England clearly voted to leave. The UK is clearly divided on it, 
And it's further evidence of the feet of island clay as countries become even more divided and separated. <coughs> and we've seen how people are responding to the Brexit. They're worried and afraid and uncertain about what the future holds. This is just one example of all the trouble that's currently going on in the world. With so many wars and disasters and terrorism going on all over the world, people are afraid of where this is all going. If you turn to Luke chapter 21, we can see how this was prophesied by Jesus. So Luke chapter 21 and verse 25. there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heavens will be shaken. So this sounds just, just like the way people are feeling today, doesn't it? The sea and the waves roaring as a Bible metaphor for the nations of the world being in turmoil. So this was a prophecy about the world we're living in right now, and is another message from God that should make us sit up and listen what he has to say. So how else has God tried to communicate with us? What other messages has he given us? Well, just think about the world around us. Nature is so complex, and yet it is in perfect balance. From the smallest microbes to the largest animals on earth, everything has its place in its ecosystem and has a function in maintaining the balance. If man interferes or removes a species or introduces another one, the whole ecosystem becomes imbalanced and every animal in that system is threatened. Now most scientists would tell you that all of this happened by chance, but if you consider it with an open mind, it just screams of a designer. And that designer, of course, is God. And the complexity and intricacy of, of so many different species is amazing. Some of you might know that I work in marine biology, and it always amazes me the diversity and beauty of marine creatures. Some of them just seem to look amazing or bizarre for no other reason than God was having fun with his creation. Just think about the massive variety and colour of fish and corals and other animals on a coral reef. There doesn't need to be so many different colours and shapes of fish and other animals, but God created them that way for his satisfaction. <coughs> and what about birdsong? It's been noted by evolutionists that birdsong is more beautiful than it needs to be. The calls that birds make for communicating, for mating and alarm calls, do not need to be as complex as they are to achieve their purpose. Now this might leave the evolutionist scratching his head, but it's obvious to us that they glorify God's creation and were made by God so that we might enjoy the songs that, we, that they sing. As it says in Psalm 150 in verse 6, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The whole world around us is a message from God that shows us what he can do and has made. And we just need to open our eyes and look around to see this message. 
The Bible tells us about God's message in creation in a chapter that we've just read together in Job chapter 12. So Job 12 and verse 7. But now ask the beasts and they will teach you and the birds of the air and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth and it will teach you and the fish of the sea will explain to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? So if you study these creatures that God has created, they will teach you about God. The word tell in verse 7 is from the original Hebrew, Hebrew word nagad, which means to predict or explain. So by studying the animals, we can learn many, many spiritual lessons about God. By considering all of the different, different creatures on the earth, the beasts and the birds and the fish, we can see the hand of God in creation. They tell us simply by their existence that God has made them and the world that they live in. Every creature on earth, and us included, are kept alive and maintained by God. Our lives and the fate of every living creature are quite literally in his hands. And at the end of this passage it talks about the breath of all mankind. So the breath is the language that the Bible uses for life. When God made man in Genesis, he breathed into him the breath of life. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So the breath of life is in every person from the day they are born until the day they die. Life is a miracle and a gift from God. In the Old Testament, Job knew this very well. As he says in Job 33 and verse 4, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. And when a person dies, the breath of God is taken away. As it says in Psalm 104 verse 29, You hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. Now scientists have tried in vain many times to create life. They have assembled all of the components necessary for life, but they've never managed to create life from no life because they are missing one vital ingredient necessary for life, the breath of God. Without it, there is no life. Life is a miracle from God, and simply by living, every man and creature glorifies God and his creation. So finally, I'd like to spend a few minutes looking at another message from God that is the greatest message of them all and comes from a very special messenger who God sent to deliver the message. Of course, his son, Jesus Christ. God sent Jesus into the world to deliver a message of salvation to all mankind. As we read in John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God so loved the world, and this really is a message of love. 
In 1 John 4, verse 8, it says, God is love. And he allowed his son to suffer humiliation, pain and death when he was sacrificed on the cross for our sins. And continuing in 1 John 4, and verse 9, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God, if God so loved us, we ought, also ought to love one another. And what could speak more profoundly of God's love for mankind than the life, death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ? God has feelings and emotions just like us. And can you imagine how hard it must have been to watch his beloved son be nailed to the cross and not doing anything about it, even though he could have easily put a stop to it if he wanted to? Jesus being the son of God is a perfect manifestation of God's character. And he demonstrated his love for us when he gave himself up to die for our sins. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 6 it says, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this, I think, is the greatest message from God to mankind. Jesus died to save every one of us while we were still sinners. Despite all our flaws and failings, God is prepared to overlook them if we turn to him and do what he asks. All of the messages from God point to Jesus, what he has done for us and what he will, will do for us in the future. Remember Nebuchadnezzar's image that we talked about earlier? Well, there was a final stage of the king's dream when a stone was cut from a mountain without hands and it broke into pieces the statue that Nebuchadnezzar dreamt about. The gold, the silver, the brass, the iron and the iron and clay. All the previous kingdoms that had gone before. And this stone represents Jesus Christ when he will return to the earth to put an end to the fragmented kingdoms that exist today and establish God's kingdom on the earth that will last forever and be a time of peace, safety and security for everyone. But when is, when is all this going to happen? Well, remember when we talked about the prophecy of Jesus in Luke chapter 21 and how it sounds like the current situation on the earth. So if we now continue in Luke 21 and verse 25. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then Jesus carried on to say what will happen after that, in verse 27. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, Look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. 
Now, obviously, this is yet to come to pass. But just as all of the other messages from God are true and accurate, we can be sure that Jesus will return in the future to establish God's kingdom. But what does this mean for us? How can we be a part of God's kingdom on earth? Well, the answer is very simple. Jesus told us in Mark 16 and verse 16, He who believes and is baptised will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So it's a choice. We can either choose one option or the other. If we believe in God and his Son, Jesus Christ, and all the messages he has given us, and that, that leads us to be baptised, then we will be saved. But if we don't believe God's messages and do nothing, then we will be condemned and die. So the choice is yours. God has appealed to us in so many different ways. But whether you believe God created the world and everything in it, or whether life on this planet evolved from nothing, or maybe you think the Bible is just a load of old stories that don't really apply, apply to you, but read it carefully and you will see how the events of our times were prophesied thousands of years ago. So we have all the evidence we need to make an informed decision. God has given us all the messages that we need, but we need to remember to pay attention to them. Now it's up to each one of us to make the most important decision of our lives.